Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that boldly goes where no man ever thought he would have to go before. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast. Brought to you from the smoke-filled studio here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Great show tonight in Pipe Parts coming up. I'm going to talk about the water in the factory, the water in the pipe tobacco factories. That's right. We're going to talk about water. My guest tonight, Fred Brown, journalist, pipe smoker, contributor to PipesMagazine.com. Later on, mailbag music that's going to tie Fred Brown to Steven Tyler to Nat King Cole. So figure that one out, but I'll explain it later on. Got a mailbag and a rant, all that coming up tonight in our weekly broadcast dedicated to you, the pipe smoker. Hey, Tuesday night, went and saw Bon Jovi. My fourth time seeing them, first time in about five, six years. Let me tell you, a couple things have changed since then. Uh, Back in the old days in the 80s, yeah, the old days, great, I'm getting old. Uh, Back in the 80s, used to dress up to impress the crowd and look sharp when I'd go to a concert. This one, I was making sure I had comfortable tennis shoes, nice, you know, comfortable pants for sitting and standing in and... A little bit different mindset when you're uh, going to feel comfortable. Uh, John and the uh, guys in the band, boy, they still have it. They rocked out and kept going for three hours long. Uh, Some of the ladies in the audience, they still have it, and they have a lot more of it now. But apparently they didn't get the memo that the 80s are over and that they've aged a little bit, and they were still dressed like that. Uh, I can remember... First couple of concerts I went to, trying to smuggle in some booze because I was too young to buy it and uh, shouldn't have had it, but I wanted some while I was watching the concert. Now, with the prices of booze in a concert, boy, let me tell you, I think I want to smuggle it in just so that I don't have to pay their outrageous prices for uh, drinks at a show. Anyway, coming up this week, uh, tomorrow I will be at Davidoff on Madison Avenue doing a uh, Brigham Pipes trunk show. So if you're in Manhattan, stop by and see me at Davidoff on Madison Avenue. Saturday morning, I'll be uh, wandering around the Newark Pipe Show for a little bit, visiting there before I have to fly back home. So, All right, everybody, let's get the show going. Got a big rant at the end of it, so let's get this thing going. Special thank you to SmokingPipes.com for helping us out. Everybody sit back, relax. Here we go. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Welcome back. Hey, in just a few minutes, Fred Brown coming up, big rant at the end, mailbag music, all that coming up. What? does the water in the factory mean all right i'm gonna warn everybody warn you right now i am the leading expert on my opinion and this is it i believe that as a pipe smoker we 
tend to lean towards one factory or the other. Why? Because each pipe tobacco manufacturer has their own basic styling, or what I like to call the water in the factory. And let me explain it to you this way. When I was working for Stokeby, I tended to notice a little bit of a citrusy taste or citrus feel from most of the tobaccos we sold. Now, I would dabble around and try other manufacturer's stuff, and I noticed from McBaron, I seemed to get a little bit of a sweeter, kind of a pruny, plummy kind of taste. And maybe a lot of this is psychosomatic. Maybe it's because of whatever it is. I think it's because each individual factory, again, has their own basic stylings. They use their own water to humidify the tobacco. They all have their own secret treatments to moisturizing the blends, creating the flakes, whatever the processes is, is or are. When I smoke a tobacco from Samuel Goweth, some of their blends are super desirable, highly sought after, and really hard to get a hold of. I get a fragrant, almost perfumey kind of a taste when I'm smoking any of their blends from them, and I've tried a lot of them. When you're dealing with Germain, I get a little kind of a Pequant. I don't know how to really describe it, but it's a little sourness to it. And remember, one of my favorite blends, the Esoterica Tilbury, comes out of Germain. McClellan has which some people call the ketchupy taste. They have their signature very sweet Virginia flavor that only a few of the blends that they make don't really have that. But that's probably due to the way that they process tobacco. So I like it. I kind of liken it to what kind of pizza do you like? Pizza is basically the same types of ingredients. It's just how that individual pizza place prepares it what they do to the dough, what they do to the catch, uh, the the tomato sauce, what kind of cheeses they use. It's which pizza place do you like? Which tobacco place do you like? When I'm smoking a Cornell and Deal tobacco, I tend to get a dry white wine kind of a taste from it. Not so much the sweetness, but a drier taste from it. And I don't know how to explain it, but I've tried a lot of their different tobaccos. And again, I get that same signature taste. So I'm wondering, interested, I would be willing to bet that a lot of you lean towards having your favorite tobaccos coming from one supplier or one manufacturer over the other. Now, there is a lot of uh, cross-manufacturing, and we may not all be clear on who makes what, but I would be willing to bet that if you're a fan of a McBaron blend, you may lean more towards the other blends that McBaron makes. If you are a fan of Samuel Goweth or Goweth Hogarth, you may lean more towards the stylings of that tobacco factory. This is not scientific. This is heavily my opinion. But again, I think it has to do with the atmosphere in the factory, the climate of where the tobacco is stored, the processing techniques of each tobacco manufacturer are highly different. 
If you're dealing with a Richmond-based Altadas pipe tobacco factory that makes the Sutliff blends, you've got a different climate zone there than you do if you're dealing with a Germain out on out on on the coast of England. So it's a different climate. It's automatically going to affect whatever they produce in that factory. If you're dealing with a planta or a coal house, which are far from the coasts in Germany, you're going to get a much different taste than if you're dealing with a Orlick or a McBaron that are right on seaside towns and get coastal breezes all the time. It could also be what the actual blenders are looking for. It could be just the stylings and the preferences of those exact manufacturers. How do they perceive their tobaccos? Danish tobacco manufacturers, German tobacco manufacturers obviously are looking for or are more experienced in making aromatics and some of the Virginia flakes. So they know how to do those things and they know the way they've done them traditionally. English pipe tobacco companies, not so much with the aromatics. Long time they couldn't make an aromatic. So they're going to have stylings that are a little bit more like them. American manufacturers, same story. The proof, I think, in this is the difference as you go across the globe in the taste of cigarettes. Each cigarette is slightly different. Each cigarette taste is blended by for that specific country for where their where that cigarette manufacturer is so take a look around see what blends you really like see if they kind of group into boy i really lean towards an orlick manufacturing or god i love everything that cornell and deal makes or i'm a diehard fan of samuel gaweth i think you'll find that your top blends your favorite blends that you like they all kind of group from one manufacturer let me know what you think post them up on the forums hey i've rambled on long enough let's get some interesting stuff going on here let's get uh, fred brown on the phone in just a minute Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog and the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. <laughs> This is Internet Radio. Please join me in welcoming to the Pipes Magazine radio show author, journalist, pipe smoker, and contributor to PipesMagazine.com, Fred Brown. Fred, welcome. Oh, Brian, thanks for having me. I I really appreciate it, and just uh, I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So just in case people can't tell based off of your accent, where are you from? 
I'm lived, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, but I, I grew up in Georgia, you know, and that's probably part of my problem right there. I'm, I'm an old Georgia cracker, but I um, uh, live in Knoxville, Tennessee, a uh, great home of the University of Tennessee and, and uh, these mountains here, the Great Smoky Mountains, and so it's hard to beat. And where did you go to school? I uh, went to, um, actually went to uh, Cedartown High School. Uh, some some folks will probably recognize that a little bit. And, and then Henry W. Grady in Atlanta. And then uh, all my folks thought I ought to be a preacher, so they, I got, they sent me off to Presbyterian College and uh, spent four years trying to get through that and did. And I uh, graduated a long time ago. And... Uh, uh, I tell you, I don't think I can get through it today. Now, you were all of your professional life a journalist? Pretty much, yeah. I I always knew, uh, growing up, I always, <clears throat> excuse me, I always put together little stories and little scenarios for this or that, that, and always had a vivid imagination, so I knew I wanted to be some kind of a writer. And uh, when I went off to Presbyterian, um, I studied English Lit, in uh, philosophy, and then uh, came after I graduated. I hate to tell you the year I graduated it was 1963, so you know I'm, I tell you, you know I'm a geezer. But uh, I got a job waiting on a newspaper job, and in uh, 1963, I never, never looked back. I was happy as a pig and a poke. What newspapers have you worked for? Oh my goodness! Uh, started out in Pensacola, Florida, with the Old News Journal. Uh, the news is gone today and, and uh, no longer around. Went from there to the Atlanta Journal uh, for a time. Uh, spent a, I had, a, as they say in baseball, I had a cup of coffee over to Marietta, uh, Marietta, Georgia Journal, and then uh, back to Pensacola. Then uh, went, thought I had to be an editor and went to West Memphis, Arkansas and worked on the, was editor of the little evening times there. Uh, decided that uh, I was killing myself at a young age and I got a job with the old press cemetery in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, stayed there until I won a fellowship, uh, writing fellowship at the University of Michigan where I could study for a year and went there in 83 and 84. And while I was gone, Scripps Howard closed my old paper, the press cemetery. Commercial Appeal, which was the largest, larger of the papers, uh, offered me a job, and I went there for a couple of years, and I decided I better try to get back back home. All my buddies were gone from the press cemetery in Memphis, and it just wasn't the same, and, and I missed all my friends, and so I decided to, to head out to Knoxville. Scripps was good enough to let me uh, go wherever I, I put I kind of where I wanted to, and and so I said, let's go to Knoxville. And I've been here ever since. That was 80, 84. What kind of stories did you cover? Oh, I've told a lot of journalism classes. I've been in everything from men's zones to war zones, and that's, that's the <laughs> truth. I've, I've, been a, I've done it all pretty much and spent 45 years as a reporter. I retired in 2008, but I still, I still write for the News Sentinel here uh, in Knoxville. And other newspapers too, and other well, not so much newspapers, but other publications. And um, 
even Kevin lets me write for Pipes Magazine every now and then. But the... Uh, Hang on, uh, Kevin lets me do this show so we know his standards are a little low. Yeah, they are low. I can tell you, if he's letting me write and stuff for him, they're a little low, that's for sure. But uh, the... Uh, the kinds of stories I've done, every, pretty much everything. Start when I started out in this business, Brian. You had to, you had to do. You, they brought you up the right way in a newsroom. You covered uh, the courts, the cops, the politics, the health beat, uh, everything else you could think of. I've been in. I had to cover uh, sewing circles, if you can believe that. I had to go make a feature out of that, and and uh, so I've interviewed presidents, and and uh, I've also, you know. That's another thing about my business. Uh, when I first broke in back in '63, they said, "Well, some days you might even be, you know, interviewing a president of a company, and the next day a bum on the street." And that was absolutely the case. Um, I've interviewed uh, President uh, uh, Nixon uh, one time in Mobile, Alabama, and uh, uh, got to be interview a lot of politicians along the way. Uh, and and wannabes uh, along the way, and uh, uh, you know I've been all over the world. I, you know I I learned early on that uh, you you ask for it and sometimes they'll send you. So I've been uh, like I said I've been in uh, up on the border in Cambodia, Thailand, and Cambodia, doing some stuff on refugee war refugees, and been into Gaza and and uh, the Gaza Strip and, and the West Bank. Um, went to during the uh, Gulf War, first Gulf War. Um, went to uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, for, went up on the Kuwait border to do some stories. But I also covered, you know, I've covered high school football and love that very much. College football and uh, I don't know, just uh, it's just been a great career. I loved it, and although my my newspaper industry is changing dramatically. Uh, I loved every minute of it. And as I told them in 2008, you folks, uh, if you don't kick me out of here, you'll have to burn the building down around me. But So they kicked me out. <laughs> when did you start smoking a pipe? Oh, Lord. Um, I never did smoke cigarettes because I, I just couldn't stand the smell or, or anything. And uh, when I went off to college, uh, at Presbyterian College, uh, back then, uh, you know, people smoked a lot. I mean, in class or wherever they wanted to. Most of my professors smoked pipes, and they most of them smoked Sir Walter Raleigh, and I just thought that was the greatest thing in the world, coolest. I loved the smell, and uh, most, and those guys were so smart, and I thought that, that uh, you know, that'd make me smarter. So I started smoking a pipe, despite the fact that all my 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 college mates there gave me a hard time about it. That was back in the days, Brian, when the uh, big, big tobacco companies, cigarette tobacco companies, held what they called smokers for the fraternities, and they gave you cigarettes, gave them away by the packs. So, but I, I would go to whatever fraternity was having a smoker, grab up the packs, and then hand them out to my buddies. But uh, I started smoking uh, uh, my first pipe course was a gray bow and uh, then I got a yellow bowl and then I smoked Sir Walter Raleigh and Lord uh, I smoked a ton of sale uh, during that time and, and Sir Walter Raleigh and by the way I still smoke Sir Walter Raleigh <laughs> a 
lot of people turn up their nose at that, but not me. I love it. I was, and uh, still got some uh, pipes that I smoked uh, in college, by the way. That gray bowl and that yellow bowl are still with me, and I still smoke them. Have you noticed a change in the Sir Walter Raleigh blend? Since oh, yeah. It's not the same blend that I smoked in college. I mean, I in you know, I wish I had. I wish I could tell you I, I knew exactly what what it was. I don't, but it's not the same. It, it uh, that blend and that uh, Sir Walter Raleigh in college was just a great smoke. It had a great, great room aroma, and I loved it. And uh, of course, you could smoke it in the, in the classroom. And our professors smoked their pipes, and I smoked mine. <laughs> uh, so it was just I don't know. It has changed. Uh, I, I I mix it a little bit with some stuff today, and uh, you know just to sort of spruce it up a little bit. But it's not the same to me. Now some 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 fellows who are my age or older might say, no, it's the same same stuff. It, but it's just not. Not to my not to my taste. It's not. We're going to take a break here. When we come back after the break, we'll talk to Fred about some of the. Uh exposés on uh, former pipe smokers that he's done. (laughs) We'll be back in just a minute. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Hi, this is Kevin Moran, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. We are back. Fred's still on the phone. Fred, you remember the first time we met? Oh, my goodness. Uh, good Lord, Brian. You did catch me. Uh, let me think. All right. Uh, uh, Time's up. Uh, Knoxville at the Knoxville Area Pipe Smokers meeting. I was working for Peter Stokeby, and you were there. You came by, and I believe you wrote an article about the pipe club and having Peter Stokeby come and visit. Oh, my gosh. That is exactly right. I completely forgotten that. Uh, I was going to say Richmond, but uh, no, I remember that now. St- oh, what a great guy he was, too, and a wonderful interview. Yeah, I did get that in. Uh, by the way, by, about that time, you know, we were beginning to have problems with the antis. And so, you know, some of the editors were going, well, what, who, Peter, what, Stokeby, what is that? You know, and I was trying to explain all that to them. Well, we can't do we can't do pipe uh, tobacco smoke. Yeah, you can. This is a, one of the great pipe uh, tobacco companies in the world, and he's and and the president of this thing, the starter and the owner of this, is in our town, and we ought to do a story on it. Finally, got a little piece in on it, but uh, it was beginning to to happen back then, even. But what a great guy he was. I I sure was sorry to, and I and I was so proud that I got to do an interview with him because not only am I a pie smoker and he's a one of the stars of the of the of our industry uh in our hobby uh I just was very uh you know I admired him a lot and glad so happy I got to do the the interview now you are also part of the uh the Knoxville area pipe club 
or pipe smokers. How's yep. the how's the club doing now? Well, uh, it was going great guns there for when you would when you came in with uh, Mr. Stokeby and Peter Stokeby. It was really doing well then. And but after a while, along about two thousand eight or so nine somewhere in there, uh, we began to drift away a little bit. I think it's because, you know, we were not having quite as many um, formal programs as we had had in the past, and uh, that had a lot to do with it. And, you know, some people would drive in from, you know, as far away as Johnson City, which is two hours away from Knoxville, to come to our meetings. And uh, it just, you know, guys were driving in, and they could go to a restaurant and eat, you know, pretty much wherever they wanted to and smoke their pipes, uh, you know, at, at the, wherever we had, you know, when we had the uh, meeting. But we began to uh, not have as many, quite as good programs as we've had in the past, and it drifted away. So after I retired, I just, uh, I wasn't going quite as often, and uh, and now it's it, it stopped. Uh I wish I could give you a year it stopped, uh, we stopped meeting, but I just don't, I don't recall that. But now we have another uh, uh, pipe club that has started up, I just found out about, over at Smokey's, our wonderful little uh, bricks-and-mortar tobacconist here in, in Knoxville. Um, and uh, they, they're meeting once a month on, on, on the third Wednesday, I believe they told me, and I, I plan to be part of that. So there's a note to anybody starting up a uh, starting up a pipe club. You may want to come up with some sort of formal programs. Might be a way to keep people coming and get more yeah, people you interested. Yeah, you don't have to bring in a you know a, a really top notch speaker and pay them a lot of money. You just you need to have a little. I think you need a little program to keep the interest going about. And you know, especially for young pipe smokers who you know don't know as much uh, about the pipe pipe history, pipe tobacco history. That sort of thing. So, uh, and like we had some guys there uh, that could really, that really had encyclopedic uh, knowledge of pipes, pipe tobacco, and could and and did uh, uh, really good programs for us. So, you don't have to have a really expensive uh, speaker or bring somebody in from the outside. Be surprised at the kind of knowledge that you'll find uh, just within your own town. Like, for example, when I go to the forums here on PipesMagazine.com, I'm blown away by the guys that know so much about pipes and pipe tobacco. And I've been smoking a pipe for 40-something years and thought, I, you know, you can't teach me too many tricks. Well, I've learned a lot by being on this forum here at the, with the Pipes Magazine. And that's part of the beauty of the hobby for me is that I'm always learning something new every week. Every week I learn. So I swear... It just surprises me, but that is the great thing about this hobby. Uh, you know, you said you want to talk a little bit about some of the the, the writers that I tried to do a biography on for, for Pipes Magazine, and uh, Kevin is kind enough to run those things. Uh, and, I'm, by the way, I'm working on, on another one uh, for him right now uh, and have been for some time. If he asked me to produce it tomorrow, I'd be in trouble, but been trying to work on one on Einstein, uh, and uh, I'm afraid he's a little too smart for me, but I'm, I'm still working on it. But, you know, the things that I'd find out about these these fabulous uh, uh, you know, scholars and, and, uh, and even like Walt Disney, a star of his 
uh, a celebrity, a real celebrity, but it's just amazing stuff that you find out. For example, C.S. Lewis, whom everybody knows, I mean, in, in uh, the, the novelist and the great scholar from Oxford, he started, he was smoking cigarettes as a child and got to the point where he just couldn't stand cigarettes anymore and started smoking a pipe even as a child. He was a long-time pipe smoker, of course. Uh, uh, those kinds of things uh, that I find out in, in these biographies that just really uh, amaze me, and that's why I love our hobby so much, is that the new stuff that you find. Is there anything really shocking that you found out about any of these uh, any of these guys that you did the <laughs> did the pieces on uh, that you didn't put in the piece? Well, let's see. Uh, I can't let's see. Author um, um, Bertrand Russell can't remember when I put this in or not, uh, probably did. He said pipe smoking saved his life. Somebody asked him, aren't you, you know, they noticed some British uh, uh, radio broadcaster said, I noticed you smoked that pipe an awful lot, and uh, and aren't you worried about that? And he said, absolutely not, it saved my life. And the story is, uh, if I did put it in, I didn't give all of it. The story was that he got on an airplane and couldn't, he wanted to smoke his pipe, and so the the, at that time, the stewardess said, well, you'll have to go to the back of the plane. And he did, because uh, he wanted to smoke his pipe. He wasn't about to take a long plane flight without being able to light his pipe up. And they had a crash landing, and uh, some of the people were actually injured. But those in the tail of the of the plane came out unscathed. And that's why he <laughs> said, my, my pipe saved my life. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> Uh, who'd you interview when you did the piece on Santa Claus? Yeah, now I can't tell you that. Oh, no, that's a trade secret there. I mean, my goodness. Now, obviously, my my favorite one of your biographies was on Walt Disney. Oh, just, yeah. Just because of my personal connection, uh, was Faulkner as interesting as I think he is? Uh, Faulkner was a- absolutely stunningly good. As a matter of fact, when I went, I went down to Roanoke in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, you didn't have to beat me to make me go down there because I'm a big Faulkner fan. You know, I go in, you go into his house at Roanoke, and it's—I swear to goodness, Brian—it's just like he had uh, stepped out for a moment and would be right back. His typewriter was there, his table was there, his pipe was there. He spoke. He smoked nine six my, you know, my blend nine six five. And uh, also, uh, he had he loved uh, Prince Albert, and his pipes were there. His coat was hanging up on a coat hanger on a on a you know stop kind of thing uh, there uh, by his typewriter. And I asked the uh, the the docent, uh, "What you mean? That's his coat? Oh yeah, that's his coat there hanging there. In fact, his pipe is in his coat pocket. He never went out without his pipe in his coat pocket." Wow. And I just, I, and, you know, and she kind of shook it. And then, yeah, the pipe was in the pocket. I just, it, that blew me away. I just, uh, uh, and I got to sit there, you know, I got to put my hand on the desk and sit in the chair, walk in the room where he wrote so many of the stories. And uh, there, and by the way, I bought, after I left there, I bought a pipe, a white dot pipe, uh, uh, just like he had. Because I had to have it. it. had the silver band and the Dunhill with the silver band. One quick story, and I, this is just has amazed me. I don't know that I've written this one, uh, 
I got to interview Shelby Foote several years ago, the late Shelby Foote. He was a friend of mine, and I, I actually adored him because he was such a great, I thought, a great Southern gentleman and a great writer. Uh, you know, Shelby's the one that was on the PBS Ken Burns Civil War series, and he wrote that magnificent three-volume work of the Civil War narrative. Uh, Shelby, uh, I knew him when I was working in Memphis, and, of course, when I came up here, I called him often, and he, he was gracious enough to help me on stories, you know, if I was working on a military piece or whatever. So I, in this interview, I'm, I'm sitting at his house, big, beautiful Tudor home off of the where uh, all the big uh, cotton barons lived in, in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, we're sitting in his bedroom, which served as, as his office. And uh, on and his bed was there in the bedroom, of course. And on one side of the bed was Marcel Proust, and on the other was William Faulkner. And he re- he turns around and looks. I ask him who influenced him, and he turned around and pointed to those two great authors. And as he looked at Marcel Proust, he said, um, "I mean Faulkner." He said, um, "Well, Marcel," he said, "There is God." pointing to Marcel Proust, and then he said, and then he pointed to Faulkner and said, and there is God Almighty. And so, <laughs> so but he had a uh, beautiful um, Dunhill, uh, I think it's billiard, about a, about a group, uh, I'd say a group, about a group two, group three, and he was smoking, uh, uh, I wish I could remember now, I think it was probably some PA, uh, but he, he, he didn't smoke PA regularly. But I think that was what he was smoking that day. And and as we got to a point where he wanted to take a break, he reached over and pulled over the uh, trash can. And he took that wonderful uh, Dunhill pipe and just banged the devil out of it inside that trash can. I just couldn't believe it. I just I, I, I wanted to say, no, 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 please. I'll clean it out for you. Don't do that. Don't please don't do that. With, with that, we'll we'll wrap it up. If you, anybody wants to, if you haven't checked out Fred's writing on the website, it's under Pipe Smokers of the Past. Make sure take a take an afternoon read through them. It's great with pipe reading, sitting in front of the computer, puffing away. Fred, I want to thank you for your time. Oh, Brian, thank you. I really do appreciate it. I'm very appreciative, and uh, I think. You know, Pipes Magazine uh, is just a great place for pipe smokers and our hobby. I just, uh, they, we, uh, Kevin and, and that crew with Pipes Magazine and you and the forum and, and the radio show is just great. It's wonderful for our hobby. Make sure and check out Fred's writings. In addition to the ones mentioned, there's uh, bios on Jefferson Davis, Tolkien, a little uh, famous writer there, uh, Sir <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle. Hubble, which I didn't know, but lots of good reading there. So everybody check that out. We'll be back with the show in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. 
But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. We are back. Hey, Fred Brown, another one of those just amazing characters of our hobby. Now, I really enjoy when I do, when I'm reading, I enjoy reading biographies, memoirs. I love getting inside celebrities or people in the world. Here's how uh, Fred Brown ties to Steven Tyler. So I'm reading Steven's book, his memoir, Does the Noise in My Head Bother You?, and if you've ever seen Stephen talk, the book reads exactly like that. So it's really kind of a slow read because you've got to follow with Stephen Tyler's train of thought, which is a uh, derailed mess sometimes. But so I'm reading through it, and at the beginning of it, in the earlier stages, he says something about in the 19, late 1950s, he discovered a bohemian composer named Eden Abez who wrote a song called Nature Boy which uh, Nat King Cole went on to record. So that's how we get Fred Brown to tie into Steven Tyler to tie into Nat King Cole. And I'm quoting from the book, The song tells the story of how one day an enchanted, wondering nature boy, wise and shy, with a sad, glittering eye, crosses the path of the singer. It goes on a little bit further. Now, Stephen does say, unfortunately, the people who own the rights to Nature Boy won't let me publish the actual words of the song in this book, but I promise you it will be on my solo album, Come Hell or High Water. So this is an important song to Stephen Tyler. Nat King Cole, a fellow pipe smoker, so here's Nature Boy. There was a boy A very strange enchanted boy They say he wandered very far, very far Over land and sea A little shy And sad of eyes but very wise was he And then one day A magic day he passed my way And while we spoke of many things Fools and kings This he said to me The greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. 
the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in I had heard that song performed before by others, but until I just heard this Nat King Cole version, I never realized how beautiful and poignant and poetic the lyrics truly are. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. This just handed to me. A pipe smoker walked into a pipe shop picked out the first pipe he saw, bought it, and walked out. And now, back to our show. You've got mail. You've got mail. You've got mail. Received some very nice comments from Jason and Quincy. I do appreciate it. I'm glad you guys are enjoying the show. I look forward to doing the show each week. Uh, going back a week and a half or so, Four Dot Sassini commented on the coffee in Seattle. Yeah, the coffee in Seattle and uh, Portland, much better than what I can get out here. The thing is, in Europe, the coffee is good everywhere. And uh, if I need a good cup of coffee, all I have to do is uh, make my own because I make a mean cup of coffee myself. All the new pipe smokers that are listening to the show, I'm glad it's helping out. I'm glad it's working for you. Keep in mind, it's all my opinion. Some of them are just the thoughts, but gives you some food for thought and some stuff to try. Pipe clubs. If you're looking for topics to cover at each meeting, if you want to make your meetings a little more topical, here's a suggestion. Take one of the pipe part segments. Make that the topic. Maybe one of you can present on it, then you guys can have an open discussion about it at the pipe club meeting. So feel free to use uh, the pipe part segments as a topic for each meeting. Hey, the big news is Rick Newcomb's book, Still Searching for Pipe Dreams, is now available on iTunes as an audiobook. It's over seven hours of audio narrated by Rick himself. So now you can take the book with you, listen to it as you go. Got a lot of really good guests coming up. Colin Rigsby, pipe maker, will be on next week. The week after that, Rabbi Eric Silver, pipe smoking rabbi as we get close to the uh, Passover season. I've seen the thread about Kevin and me interviewing Kevin Godby for the show. We're going to have to work on that because we're going to have to work out a deal where Kevin doesn't have the seven-second delay button in front of him, and I get him on my terms, on my ground, and we'll see if we can't uh, squeeze him into it. Pipe part segment's coming up, uh, American Value Pipes, Pipe Show Etiquette, got a whole bunch more. If there's anything in particular that you want to hear, please pop it up on the forums and let me know. Make sure if you haven't had a chance yet, Please rate us on iTunes. Rate us and review the show there. That helps it get discovered. Hey, time's running out quick, so let's get right to it. Rant time's coming up next. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. 
an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. for pointing out these two articles to me. Are you ready? There is an article, an op-ed in the New York Times stated, Stubbing Out Cigarettes for Good. It's a proposal. Are you ready for this? A proposal by a mathematics professor named A.J. Barrick from Singapore on limiting tobacco purchases. Anybody born after the year 2000 will never be allowed to purchase a tobacco product. Take a look at this op-ed. This is the kind of stuff that they're talking about. Now, they only state cigarettes in this entire thing, but that would say no tobacco products, period. My grandchildren would not have the option to smoke a pipe or to smoke a cigar if they wanted to. The op-ed was written by Richard A. Daynard, a professor of law at Northeastern University and the president of its Public Health Advocacy Institute. This is the kind of stuff that we've got to watch out for. This is the slippery slope. They only mention cigarettes. No mention in the article whatsoever about pipes or cigars. But that's all in there. Ron Bosley sent me an article from Cleveland.com. Cousin Cigars. 60 years in downtown Cleveland. Four decades in its current location is getting the boot because... Cleveland State University has bought the building and is turning it into part of the campus and evicting them as part of their smoke-free campus. The store will be closed down for good. This is 60 years of downtown Cleveland history wiped out in one shot. There will be a couple other stores downtown. They still own one other shop down there, plus some out in the out in the suburbs, but this is the kind of stuff that's happening all the time. One large state organization comes in, buys the building, throws everybody out, and away you go. I will say, if things keep going the way they're going, check out the Czech Republic. Yes, check out the Czech Republic. Carol, Foreign Minister Carol Schwarzenberg is a pipe smoker, photographed with numerous pipes in his Hands smoking them. He is running for president of the Czech Republic. How nice would it be to live in a place where there is a president that smokes a pipe? With that, I'll say, hope everybody enjoyed the show. Big show next week. Make sure to check us out on iTunes. Leave us a review there. Post any comments you got in the forums. Keep an eye out for me at a pipe show. Keep an eye out for me on the road. Want to see where I'm going to be? Follow me on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to SmokingPipes.com. Until next time. Bomba dee da bomba dee da bomba dee da bomba
when we're together Just sing a song and think about sunny weather I'm a doctor, not an engineer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not an escalator. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner.